Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by Haider Jaffrey. Haider shares some of his expat stories from his six years of living in Prague, as well as comparing and contrasting those to growing up in Dubai. Haider left Dubai at 17 to go to med school in Prague and is now only a couple of months from graduating. You'll hear him talking about the considerable differences between living in Dubai and Prague, the weather, the buildings and of course, the art scene. Having started playing music in his teens, Haider explains what got him into it in the first place, what his influences were and the challenges of finding your own voice when covering other people's songs. Since moving to Prague, Haider's not only dealt with studying medicine and of course the pandemic situation, but he's also tried to maintain the creative process through his music. We talk about the complexities in managing your time and the realisation that one slip up because of playing music, could see you kicked out of medical school. We get into the creative process, the advantage of having short names for songs, Haider's recording plans, and the art of great lyrics. There's One Direction, The Cocktail Twins and Tom Mish. They all feature in a great top five. All this and just who is the Grandmaster Penguin. Let's get right to it, Haider Jaffrey. I was born and raised in Dubai, and over there you have a 90% expat community. Sorry about that. Uh, it's a 90% expat community, and just always surrounded by you know, international people, I will say. I left Dubai when I was 17, I came to Prague uh, to start med school, and I started my musical musical career. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Musical journey. Musical journey, yeah, that's a better one. Uh, when I was around 14, I started playing the ukulele, and after a year, I figured out because I've always wanted to play an instrument and, you know, getting started with any instrument is probably the hardest thing that you can do. Uh, so I started with the guitar because that's like the main indie boy thing that they go with. Well, the guitars guitar. look cool, right? You know? They... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always cool. like, you can always pull it out. But the problem is always starting. So I gave up very fast in the first month. Then I started with the violin for a month as well. And, you know, cat screeching noises and yeah. nobody as well. And uh, then ukulele worked out perfectly for about a year. I didn't start singing or doing anything like that until a year afterwards um, with the guitar. And yeah, then, then I started playing guitar and you know started progressing and putting things on YouTube. It wasn't really going anywhere. And then I came to Prague in 2015 and I started med school. I've been here six years and I'm almost done. I have two more months left before I graduate, hopefully, knock on wood. <laughs> And, you know, like Prague has just been an absolutely wonderful experience. It's a complete 180 from Dubai as well, because I, I grew up in this humid state, humid, hot, shiny, everything is reflective surface or mm. heat. So like every time you're outside, it just for eight months out of 12, yeah, don't feel like being outside. So we were really limited. That's the one. Mm-hmm. We were really limited by the things that we could do in Dubai and the things that we could see as well. And then I came to Prague and everything was you know, green nature. Everything looked life-sized because one problem that I really had uh, with Dubai was the, you just felt so small in comparison to everything. Just even, even the building complexes would be so massive in their width that you would just feel pretty insignificant compared to them. 
Uh, and in Prague, everything feels, like I said, life-sized and real a little bit more so than I'm used to. And I've managed to meet a whole lot of people that have been so great and so helpful in not even, not, not just in my musical journey, but also throughout university. And I worked as a bartender for three or four years as well. So even through that, it was meeting a lot of people coming from everywhere around because I worked at a pub crawl. So I mean, <laughs> there wasn't much talking going on, to be yeah. fair. But, yeah, but when it did, when it did happen, it was I actually gained a lot from it. Like I met a bunch of med school uh, med students from Brazil and from Spain and Portugal as well. And it, like a random conversation, like we had that one interest, and then the one interest became a second interest as well in comparison uh, in uh, in conjunction with everything and. I have managed to meet a lot of people. <laughs> it's just so great. I've never have expected any of these things to happen after coming here at 17. Like, m- my life has just, uh, I don't even know how to say it anymore. It's just topsy-turvy, but in a good yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, yeah, exactly. And it's been a real, in the true sense of the word, from what it's from what you've just described there, a real learning experience in all aspects, you know, not just academically or what you're going to do professionally in the future. Uh, but, you know, just life in general, eh? you've, you've learned I would say, you know, the hard way, like, but, you know, the unorthodox way, whatever you want to describe it, but, you know, in a real way. Definitely not the same person I was six years ago. I am very different. A lot of my core aspects are still the same, but, yeah, that's, (laughs) it's been a journey. It's a nice segue, yeah, definitely. It's a nice segue into your music, though. So what what about your musical influences? They've been really developing over the past couple of years. Uh, when, When I first started out with the ukulele, I was very heavily, and this is not anything to do with the ukulele, but like I started off inheriting my sister's Nokia N90, no, forgot which one, like the, the blue Nokia with the touch screen and it was made for music essentially. So I ended up inheriting her, her phone with which had all of her music in it. And uh, that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because I started listening to the Arctic Monkeys. And that was the start of my indie boy, indie rock phase. And I just almost exclusively listened to the Arctic Monkeys for a while. And more alternative rock, so the Killers and the Black Keys and like all these alt rock indie bands just mm-hmm. started coming flooding into my head, and I was like, "This is incredible!" I have never thought that this would be because the first song I listened to essentially on my first MP3 was Bonanza by Akon, and in in terms of a uh, growing musically for the type of music that I am right now, that was not the same vibe as I was going for. So this indie, this indiness the way that it hit me it really hit hard so that was my initial phase that was my first phase and then i started trying to learn the ukulele and obviously you can't learn arctic monkey songs properly on the ukulele let me let me try something a little bit simpler so i would play like very poppy songs with one of my friends an iranian uh iranian guy who was in my year and he would be singing and i would be playing the ukulele and then i bought like a an electric ukulele so we could do it on stage so it was super fun, right? Just like that was the initial stages of my performing. And uh, then I got into Ed Sheeran and Hosier. And that, I think that was the start of my solo performer kind of life. So Ed Sheeran, because like he did everything by himself and I didn't have the opportunity to try and learn or to, to add people into the mix that were in the same mindset as me in terms of music, even though we had like a high school band, but it wasn't, it was just for fun the most part and I was whatever I was doing I was doing for fun but it was a different style and a different type of music than what other those other people would be listening to so Ed Sheeran was how I started 
my sister told me that I learned um, there's a song called Cherry Blossom Girl by Air. And she told me that if I learned that song on the guitar that I had now, which I sold my ukulele to get, she would get me a Sheeran's guitar, which is a little Martin. And I was so excited by that that I learned it in the span of like 45 minutes. And a week later, she held true to the promise. It was a whole surprise thing. And I got that tiny little, little Martin. Yeah, that's how I started performing live as well. Like once I got that guitar, I felt almost invincible in terms of music. I mean, I was, I was still starting off. Everyone was telling me that I was whispering a lot when I was singing. And that was a force of habit and also a force of just situation in general because I would be playing at home. And if I were practicing, I would practice for like five, six hours. on end. So if I were to record anything, it would start around midnight. Everyone's asleep. And that would have to be quiet. That's when the real rock and roll happens anyway after midnight. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> after midnight in the bathroom with four doors closed in between me and anyone else. So I'm just hoping for the best. Nobody wakes up. That was like my guitar journey started. And guitar and singing. I started, the, the first song I played live was uh, The A-Team by Ed Sheeran. And uh, yeah, I messed that up a little bit. And the start was the first time doing anything. But people enjoyed it to the extent that they told me that I should do more of it. So... With that, opened a YouTube channel with the most terrible name that I could have thought of at that time. Like, looking back now, I thought it was super cool before. It was not super cool at the time, and it was not super cool now either. So it was uh, Grandmaster Penguin. I, no, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I, I was writing, like, I write a lot as well. Uh, and during that time, I was trying to write a novel. It was a very entertaining novel, but it was... One of the characters was a penguin. So I was, everything was just weird. <laughs> Grandmaster Penguin just came out of nowhere. And I've been trying to change it, but YouTube didn't allow me to do that. So embarrassing. Like people are like, okay, what's your YouTube channel? And I have to give them a direct link. And then at the end of the link, it says Grandmaster Penguin. And they're like, what, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. It's only slightly surreal, you know, but yeah, uh, you know, a nice touch. Slight, slightly. <laughs> this all started, like my entire music thing started around ninth grade, 10th grade. And we have until 12th grade in Dubai. By the time I reached 12th grade, I had been performing in in school for the most part for different events like talent shows and we had a performing arts night. I had a radio interview actually, completely forgot about that. I had a radio interview in 2015 with this independent radio that would be, they were trying to make the music scene in Dubai, like the indie music scene, a lot bigger than it was at that time. Like there was almost nothing at the time when I was leaving. And what they wanted to do was promote musicians, local musicians, and promote gigs and try to get in touch with different venues. And it was really a really, really good initiative. Uh, but unfortunately, they had to close down like a year after I left. You know, one of my first things where I went and I played a song that I wrote by myself, it was about Humpty Dumpty, or I told people it's about Humpty Dumpty, but it was very melancholic. My, my music is always like the songs that I've written by myself have always started off being very melancholic. No matter how hard I try to write a happy song, for the most part, it doesn't work out. That's uh, one of the questions that you asked me to, to look at. It was like concerning things that I don't get, mm. songs that I don't get. It's, it's not exactly an answer to that, but I find it very difficult to create happy music. Because either I find it too cheesy or I find my lyrics related to that too cheesy. It's maybe, it's a difficult place to find the, the, the middle ground, right? And it's maybe the same for the opposite, for people who are only writing, quote unquote, happy music, right? That's a kind of similar feeling. Yeah? So, maybe you should just write about penguins. I should. <laughs> I, I think they deserve it at this point. Like, really, really, that was my starting point. They were my starting point. 
<laughs> it's completely fine. Penguins are great, man. Everyone loves penguins. Well, yeah. I brought this on myself as well, so <laughs> I have no one to blame. Pandora's box, though. No, exactly. exactly. I left Dubai in 2015, and I came to Prague. And when I started in Prague, I got my guitar with me as well. I was very excited. You know, I'm going to this city that I know for a fact has has been a name, like a specific name in terms of the music industry, industry and how people have progressed in their music. Prague, Central Europe, all these places, like the Red Bull Studio in Berlin. At that time, I had seen one performance in the Red Bull Studio in Berlin, and I was completely in awe by it. I didn't know anything about music production. I didn't know how anything worked. But I was like, one day, I'm going to go in there. Right? And Prague was so close to that. So I, I went in, you know, just with the primary intention that I have to finish med school. I have this responsibility to the people around me, to my parents, to my family, and to myself, that I have to do this in the best way possible for myself. But there was also this nagging thought in my head that I'm not going to be able to balance anything properly because just in general, my time management skills are completely off. Like, absolutely terrible. And, but, you know, we stress uh, ourselves out about things that we don't know. Right? Like this, this whole thing about not knowing what's going to happen in the next six years when I first started because at any point I could get kicked out. And at any point, me getting kicked out could be attributed to me trying to do music more as well. So it was like I was trying to keep this mentality that I have to put my priorities in order. And, you know, at the start, in the first couple of months, I put my guitar to the side. I was like, I need to focus on this. And I had one assistant teacher for anatomy in my first year. And he played bass for five, six years previously. And we would talk about, he was like, yeah, I was in a band. He showed me some of his music. And I asked him whether he still played. And he said, no because two years ago he was in his fourth year two years ago things got too hectic he had to lay down the bass and he had to just put it to the side he hasn't played since he wishes or he hopes that he would be able to do it in the future and in that second like that was the moment that i realized that i'm never going to let that happen to myself because this is one form of catharsis that is completely to myself it is all me i will close my eyes and nothing else will exist besides me this guitar and whatever thoughts in my head and I didn't want to lose that because, you know, like I have two things that I very much enjoy doing, three things that I very much enjoy doing. And I always hope that I have more time for it. One of them is music. The other one is cooking. And the last one is reading and like writing. The cooking, I only like to cook things that are, that take more than two hours to make. So I usually don't have time to cook anymore. <laughs> and reading. It's I, an investment, I, you know, it's like, it's a, yeah, right. I don't enjoy myself really. If, if something I cook takes less than two hours for some reason i don't enjoy eating it like the, the best thing that i've eaten took me five hours to make last week it was so worth it it was a pain <laughs> there you go. the so proofs and the pudding as they say exactly huh? and and reading like reading is a whole thing in itself because i have not had time to pick up a book and finish it properly in the past couple of years and if i do start a book then i have to finish it before i do anything else it's like just the focus is so alive and i didn't have a chance so i was like i need to at least keep the music alive and with that, because of a lot of the people, I have, to, I have so many people in this country to thank for just making me believe that I can keep doing this. I was trying to push myself to keep that just ready and just to have it in my pocket when I, when I needed to have that catharsis that I was talking about. So Cafe Du is, is a cafe in... Right, right behind the museum uh, in the center of Prague. 
And this is like a student cafe that I used to study in every day. And I still, like, because of COVID, everything is closed. But I would go there almost every single day. And uh, my friends and I would be actually quite good friends with the staff over there as well. So we would have this thing called Wine at Nine. And that's when they would start shutting. And we would finish studying as well. And I would bring my guitar. And we would all just sit down while they're closing up and, like, just chill. Essentially, just chill. I'd be playing music. The staff will be enjoying themselves. They will come and have a conversation with us, give us like free cake because it's the <laughs> end of the shift. It was it was really wonderful. And because of that, the owner of the cafe also started talking to us. And he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. Him and his sister started started the whole, uh, it's like a 24-hour student study area where you can get a membership and you study. It's open all the time. He put me in touch with one of his really good friends who had a... Um, a venue where they did theater and live music and different art events. And he was like, I'll put you in touch with him, speak to him, and we'll sort you a venue. Like one day people will come uh, and pay an entrance and they can watch you perform. <clears throat> so that turned into, it's called Studio Pamiet. And that turned into like a yearly thing that I did. So every year at a specific time between uh, Feb and April, I would book Studio Pamiat and then a bunch of people would come in and it was like something I would look forward to every year as well. So that was one of the initial things I did. Then they asked me to play for the Cafe Du asked me to play for the birthday as well in the on top of their stairs. And I think that was one of the reasons that I, I was able to do things more was because that familiarity with just these people made me more comfortable to explore other venues. Since then I actually do not have a count of how many places I've performed that, but only in the last two years, I would say upwards of 50, which the last two years was the biggest jump for me for, for any of these things. And I started working uh, at the Drunken Monkey in my second year as well. No, Drunken Monkey Pub Crawl, that was the, <laughs> the, name, the name of the bar I worked at. Like I, I was trying to balance a lot of things in the first couple of years that I was here, so I wasn't playing as much as I could, but I was still trying to post as many things as I could onto YouTube, onto SoundCloud as well. Really just trying to have content up, not really caring about how many people were in my audience, at least. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting anything to blow up, right? I was doing this for myself. I was doing this because some people told me they enjoyed it. That's that was like well, my. It's a creative release as well, though. I mean, this is the thing where if you're a creative-minded person, that you just get it out, right? And you know, if something positive comes from it, then all the better. If not, you've done it for yourself, you know. Exactly. So it's win-win, right? It was. It's always been a win-win. My my biggest concern with you know starting to play gigs because at one point I I worked less at the bar because I was getting more gigs per month. And my asking price kind of rose as well <clears throat> because people were accepting my higher asking price. So I was like, might as well. And then it became a little bit of a chore. For a, f a few months, it became something that I had to do. Feels like work. Exactly. And that really did not so sit well with me. I It was distracting me from things that I really had to do as well. And because it was such a responsibility for me to go, okay, I need to have at least one gig per week so I can make, meet this quota for my rent or meet this quota in terms of something else. Sure that like I left I lost the urge to you know play by myself to sit down on my couch in the night and just just strong relax it. just get yeah. lost in it and that I think really put a damper on um, a lot of things for a couple of months but I got out of that rut thankfully and I somehow managed to write a couple of songs more like I'm I'm constantly writing songs in the weirdest possible ways like they would for the most part 
I'm lying down. I'm just about to go to sleep. My phone is on charge, and I think of just one line, or like it can be three words. It's it's so in the moment, and I really most of the time I hate what comes after it for some reason. So I have upwards of a hundred unfinished songs, and it's always good to have it in your back pocket, as they say, though, right? Mm-hmm. This uh, you know these unfinished works, right? You never know yeah. what will come of them. Exactly, but it's so all my recordings, all my writings. All these things are so unorganized. They're on five or six different apps in different forms as well. Some of them are in like video form where there's like a black screen and I'm just whistling something, (laughs) just playing some chords. And most of the time I just forgot what chords I play as well because I'm, I don't know musical theory. So I taught everything myself. It's just been the past couple of months that I've been asked by a lot of people like in very intimate settings. Okay. Can you go bring the guitar? and play and I'm always like yes and I got used to it at this point and it's really it's so much nicer because I don't feel afraid when there's a bunch of people sitting down and I have to start playing and I'm not I'm generally not the type anymore to get stage fright but when it's when it's on stage I'm fine but when people are sitting on the couch around me and listening it's a completely different thing and I, I don't I haven't learned how to approach it the best possible way, but I think I'm getting there now. What about musically then? So you were saying about some stuff that you, you put on Spotify. How would you describe your your sound? I mean, you describe some of your influences, but the actual sound of it? The way that I like to describe my music is the way that is the setting in which I would like to play my own music. As in the setting in which I would sit down with the guitar and this would be sung or performed. And that is in the best possible way that I can describe it is you have a winter night, you've closed all of the windows and you can see snowfall outside. There's a fireplace and there's a like a just a nice warm hearth. You're wrapped in some blankets, you have a cup of hot chocolate and you just put it on. That's that's the best way that I can describe or the way that I want my music to be perceived. Again with like the happy song thing, songs can be happy and still fit that vibe and that's the that's the kind of happy songs that I'm trying to go into for the time being. Um, but because most of my music is slightly melancholic, I think it, it fits best in these kind of scenarios. Like, you know, dim light, kind of cold. You're, at your, you're just comfortable and you're vulnerable, essentially. The music itself, I enjoy making. But what I really enjoy the most is the lyricism of things. So that's why Hosier, for example, uh, when I started first listening to Hosier, I thought, just incredible visuals in my head every time I listen to this music. It's always, almost always some kind of warm, some kind of just like safety that I'm getting from it or some exposition of some kind of emotion that I'm unable to get out by myself. In the simplest terms, I think that that would be how I would want my music to be described. Fantastic. I mean, Hosey is, uh, he's quite intense. Maybe that's yeah, the one that they might feel it, you know. I, and I mean that in a good way, right? You know, it's uh, he's quite a, distinctive powerful voice and all that and i managed to see him live after waiting like around six years last year last summer and it was his first time in prague as well hands down the best show i've been to in my life hands down the most incredible push of a performance that i've seen anyone i've not been to a lot of concerts unfortunately but this one takes a cake everything like his the second he stepped on on stage it was like an it was an aura that came out of him he played solo or he played with a band he played some songs solo, but a lot of them with the band. And band, including a whole choir as well. His band is incredible. Like, uh, they're absolutely incredible. And I uh, did not 
focus on them. And that's, I think, a big problem with like these artists that are single named. You know, they you don't really focus on the, the people that are behind them. And then when you do, it's mind blowing how much effort actually goes into making all these things coalesce in the best possible way. Yeah, it really is a team, right? a team effort, right? When you're you're there with the band and all the hours they put in the rehearsals and all that to make the magic happen, right? For the and it was really magic for the good really people. Cool. You know? Hey, there are there plans to record any? I know you were saying like you put stuff on apps and but are there plans to put something a bit more, you know, concrete? There are. So in terms of just like a proper studio recording, because I don't have a proper studio recording out on Spotify yet. Two songs I recorded in my bedroom and one song from Sandwich Sessions. So th- that was the only session that I had like a like a proper thing that I was happy with. And in terms of like, I put a looper in there as well. I put my vocal loops in there and I was just wanted to get that out. Now, currently, I am in the studio with this uh, gentleman named David, David Jewell, and another guy that we met named TJ. Absolutely brilliant. And they offered to help me produce a song because uh, David wanted to have uh, David wanted to practice his production skills so he could have something for his portfolio so he was like I'll help you create this track and I've I've been playing this song for the past I think six years it was one of the first songs that I played live and I did it for um, So Far Sounds as well like mm-hmm. when I when I met Alex and Quillen that that was like the first proper live session that I've attended and that was the first song that I did as well so I'm finally getting that recorded and there are a bunch of demos and live recordings of that around but I've never ever thought that like people would be would enjoy it enough to ask for it and it's come to the point where people are asking for it if they come to my gigs they're mostly my friends can't be more grateful for them as well because they know the lyrics as well <laughs> people come on the song starts and they're singing along and I just feel so just so grateful I would never have thought like my lyrics, people remembering words that I've said or written down and following along at the right timing as well. So that song initially was called Someone in the Evening Mist, but then I realized that it's a really long name. So then over the course of like three years, and this is by the way, this is at the start of almost every gig that I play. And when I introduce this song, the story about its name always comes up. (laughs) So it's always, okay, so it's called Someone in the Evening Mist. And then at one point, at one at some point, I called it Juniper. At some point, and then I forgot about it, and um, <laughs> all I remembered was someone in the evening mist. So like two years ago, I was like, "That's too long of a name. I'm gonna change it to Evening Mist." Now that the song is getting a proper production, I'm thinking that sounds like a Calvin Klein scent. So I'm essentially <laughs> you may be sending out the wrong message, you know? Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, who knows, you know? Calvin Klein might be interested, you know? Yeah, the the thing is that Evening Mist. Is just one word in the song and like I couldn't pick out a better but the, the song has a rep- repetitive word which is darling so every four bars is like darling and everyone assumes that the name of the song is darling and I'm always like no it's called evening mist and they're like why is like, darling is so much easier to remember and I'm like because I like perfumes so it's just uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to come up with a better name because we're we're trying to finish the production of the song this week. Some arrangements and the yeah. life of a rock and roll star. You know you have to stop for podcasts and then run back to studios and you know I got study tomorrow as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the heavy lifting right there. Yeah. Yeah. These past few weeks have been very hectic, but in a very nice way. Like I am tired because I have the COVID testing as well mm. and classes in the morning, but. It's all leading to some kind of productivity. I'm not. I'm not just only wasting my time, which I've been, which I do in general a lot. So I feel like things are going the right way, and hopefully this production 
actually is ended by the end of the week because we've been trying to do it for the past two months or three months and we can't figure out schedules like he's available maybe once a week twice a week i'm available once or twice a week as well and it doesn't always match up are you ready for a top five yeah let's go a guilty pleasure very simple answer is one direction the reason is one direction i don't judge people on this don't worry <laughs> yeah, like i genuinely i would never have thought that i would listen to one direction and like list considering my music choices and what i listen to primarily mm. one direction doesn't necessarily fall under that category but growing up my my little sister who's a year younger than me was a, the biggest one direction fan we had all of their albums we had posters and different things so Every time we were in the car, there would be one album that we'd be playing, and it would be the One Direction album. Managed to memorize almost every single song. At first, it was ironically, and then it became unironic. And then, <laughs> you know, Zayn Malik is a Pakistani who is making music. So I, was, yeah. I didn't necessarily enjoy his music at the moment, but I like it's nice to see, you know, like a, there's a familiar face in this huge right. industry. And Harry Styles, for example, like now... He's the one that's really taken off, I would say. I mean, I don't really know much about them, and uh, they're not really my thing, right, as an old curmudgeon-type guy myself, you know. But I know who they are, of course. But Harry Styles gets this. This is maybe the third or fourth person in the, the interviews I've done, the podcasts I've done, where Harry Styles and his album, I don't remember the name, but the song Watermelon Sugar has come up mm-hmm. several times in a guilty great. pleasure kind that of is, That is a great song, but I honestly, his first album that he put out, after breaking off in One Direction, I think is revolutionary in terms of like how artists can progress from one thing to another. I mean, it's what's behind the mask in it a little bit. You know, you you have to dance to someone else's tune to to paraphrase it, and then when the when they let you out of your contract or times up, then you can really you know. Yeah. They did a great job. Like Harry Styles, I think his uh, his PR his PR is just incredible. Like. I haven't met a lot of people who have disliked him for more than like half a reason. It's always like, okay, he dresses weird. Okay, and what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, it, for, I don't really care how people dress, right? It's not It's not a thing, but it, it's a little bit contrived, I think. Yeah. But if that's his thing, whatever, right? It's, it doesn't go for it, son, you know? They're doing a great job for the time being, like, especially Harry. Harry Styles music. I wouldn't say that's my guilty pleasure. One Direction is still my guilty pleasure because every time any of their songs come on, I know exactly where it's headed. <laughs> I know what's next. I know who's next as well. So <laughs> it's a brilliant place to be. Who should we be listening to then? Okay, cool. So this is a really nice question. I, I very much enjoy this question because I love to make playlists for people and I love to you know share, share songs. Mm. My all-time favorite song is by this gentleman named Patrick Watson. And uh, Patrick Watson makes very melancholic piano music in his own kind of style and it's incredibly soothing and his song Lighthouse is my absolute favorite song in the world and I recommend this to every single person if you haven't listened to Patrick Watson listen to Patrick Watson and listen to Lighthouse and watch the YouTube live version of Lighthouse because they play a saw like his drummer plays a saw as well at one point and the singing saw thing really blew my mind at the start so that's definitely one in terms of that's like piano style music and then we go on to like like neo jazz in the UK with Tom Mish and Tom Mish. This is going to come into the next question as well that you have. Tom Mish, I think, is just incredible, just incredible. He takes a lot from bossa nova. He takes a lot from rock and Jay Dilla as well. So he has hip hop influences and he has rock influences and bossa nova and jazz influences, and he puts all these things together to make just a brilliant sounding environment. 
I would say. Like it's an it's literally an environment and he he works in close collaboration a lot of times with FKJ, who is French Kiwi Juice, and he also makes an indie jazz. They've just been they've been on my in my mind for a very long time. Just the the songs or the riffs just play on and on. This is the happy music that I can go towards because it's very oh, jazzy. Right. And it's like, is it instrumental? I mean, is it, is it have lyrics half, as well? Yeah, it's, it's like half-half depending. Tom Mish started off by making beat tapes and he didn't sing over them and his sister plays the saxophone. So they would like collaborate in those things as well. He would have some rappers come in on his beats and his beats, like he focuses on the electric guitar a lot in his things. Like his melodies for his riffs are absolutely phenomenal. They're, they're just so nice to listen to. They're very groovy as well for the most part. He put out an album last summer or two summers ago called Geography, and it's just so groovy. Uh, Under 3000 was on one of the songs as well. He has a couple others, but it's just incredibly groovy. And that's when I started, when I got this electric guitar, the first one, that's what I started to try and play. Like those just simple grooves and try to get an idea of what kind of scales of happy music I liked. And then we have this half Belgian, half Egyptian guy who's starting to make waves. His name is Tamino. And his his grandfather was this really famous Egyptian actor. Um, but he makes music in, in English and it's very dark, kind of, but dark and soulful. And his the melodies he uses are very based on Arabic music as well. And it, like, it comes together in the most beautiful Way and he has two songs, Habibi and Indigo Night, and those two songs, like the the melody of Indigo Night, is one of the best things I've heard in the past couple of months. Uh, Mustafa the poet, who is based in Toronto, and like with him, it's a lot of like his his voice is very distinct and his narrative is very beautiful. And he's also I don't generally like a lot of the music that comes out of the out of Toronto because it's very poppy. Mm. This, but there's something about his music that is just like you can relate to it a lot more than you know Drake spitting out some stuff about clubs and stuff. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, more, right. it's more humanistic. It's more humanistic. <laughs> that's and, a very polite way to say it, though. I don't. I don't dislike Drake's music, but it's just like it, there's a time and place for everything, and for yeah. and for these artists that I'm talking about, like I, I can listen to them at any time and place. Okay. Like you put me in the middle of a club and I will most likely head out and listen to another song. Right. So those are those are my top picks for things. And, an- and also Jeff Buckley. I don't I don't like Jeff Buckley is my top artist for the past year now. I've listened to almost every one of his songs religiously. I'm trying to practice all of his songs as well because his vocals are just incredible. Yeah. And he his influence Great was band is really played with. Yeah. Great band he played with. Great, great band. And his his influence was this one Pakistani singer, this Sufi singer named Nusrat Fateh Khan. And he was, uh, in one interview, he said that Nusrat is my Elvis because the way that his, his style of vocalization and the peaks that he could get with his vocals, both Nusrat and, and Jeff Buckley, it was absolutely incredible. So I'm, I'm trying to, to draw some inspiration from this. And it's very melancholic music as well. And with a rock added thing. And one more thing he said. Go for it. Which I found out yesterday uh, when I was reading an interview with him. That people looked at his music as, as folk music for the most part. Because that's what they associate one man with a one man with a, <laughs> with a guitar. To be folk music. But that wasn't his thing. Like when he played live with his band. With that Fender Tally. Everything. Like his band played minimally. But it was so important that they were there. 
like those the the drumming was just there in the background just enough for you to be like okay this is the rhythm that's being kept but it also added so much in itself as well and without it all the songs sound emptier like i'm really trying to to draw a lot from these from these people especially jeff Buckley. fantastic have you ever heard of uh, uh i mean or listened to tim buckley tim buckley Again, thanks to my sister. All these people, thanks to my sister. I started listening to Jeff Buckley, and she said, you have to listen to Tim Buckley. Uh, Song to the Siren. Yeah, it was one of my favorite songs, Song to the Siren. There's been so many uh, great great versions of it done. Uh, Tim Buckley being the original, if I think I'm right. Robert Plant did a version recently, or in the last few years, which is absolutely staggeringly good. Uh, there's a Scottish band called the Cocktail Twins. They're kind of electro. Yeah, Elizabeth Fraser. Yeah, oh, yeah, Fraser. I mean, she's... Yeah, phenomenal, right? But that the song to the siren there. There's a live version, a really grainy YouTube live version somewhere uh, recorded somewhere, and it's uh, just the, the one that's in the room, like he's yeah. just sitting in the yeah, yeah, and it's just oh, yeah. That's the place you want music to take you. Sometimes eh? you're just like, okay, this is yeah. That's exactly it. And just like a little bit on the Cocteau Twins. Uh, have you heard All Flowers in Time? Yeah. That song. When I when I read about that song and then I listened <laughs> to the song, I just lost it. I lost everything. Like I was so in a trance, especially by Elizabeth Fraser's voice. Just at the start, those those uh, I don't know how to call them steps that she does. Like it's literally like a step. Mm. It's so incredible. It's there's no way in hell that I'm able to cover this song, and I've been trying for the past four months. It's maybe a work in progress, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, people might remember her voice more. Familiarly, familiarly, is that even a word? From uh, from Massive Attack, she sang on Protection. Yeah, but of course, if you if you're an old codger like me, you remember the Cocteau Twins or this Mortal Coil, like the first time run. So, yeah, but yeah, she's a great vocalist. <laughs> Favorite venue? Favorite venue? Okay, that's a hard one as well because I've played at a lot of really nice places, but my favorite venue is at this moment is Sunday Terrace, which is just a little, it's not a terrace essentially, but it's an outdoor restaurant kind of thing. And the reason it's my favorite venue is because I played at two wedding functions over there and playing at weddings for me is I think the epitome of my musical joy. Really, there's just an insane amount of happiness in there. Everyone is incredibly nice and just smiling. And because I have a lot of melancholic songs, right? I completely go away from that. I just, I literally, I do my absolute best to not play any sad songs and I play all the love songs and I have more love songs than I have melancholic songs. And most of my melancholic songs are also love songs. So I try to either jazz them up or make them like slightly groovier. Most, most of my stock is love songs. So <laughs> that's another thing we can draw from there. <laughs> uh, it's on the it's not, it's not a, it's not a bad thing to have at all. Favorite riff, one that I am, constantly going back to and every time I go back to it I air guitar my life away and this is Tom Mish actually um, Tom Mish has a song with this other guy named Jordan Reke and Jordan Reke should also I should have also spoken about him before because he makes like his vocals are incredible he makes some kind of jazz indie fusion as well on the piano and with beautiful beautiful soundscapes they made a song, or Jordan Reke wrote a song called Midnight Mischief. And then Tom Mish made a remix of Midnight Mischief and added subtle things here and there. And the song completely changed and he added a solo in there as well. And this solo, this solo, I, most of the time I skip the song and just to get to that solo. 
or I listen to the whole song and I go back to the solo and I listen to that like three or four times. So favorite solo. It's a little bit of a segue back into your own music then. Would you say are you much of a, what is it that stands out about your music? From your point of view, I mean, is it the, the lyrics or is it the hooks that you blend in with the music? Is it lyrical hooks or musical hooks? What I have been told, at least, is that people enjoy my chord progressions, at least of the songs that I've uh, most recently written. And those are a little bit like slightly jazzier uh, chords. So they fa- they seem more emotional, at least. And I think my style of of singing, that's what people, that's what I've been told people go towards most because I do not exactly wailing. I don't want to say wailing because it has so many negative connotations. For maybe a particular type of the evening, maybe. Yeah, say. <laughs> but I, I enjoy to do that or I enjoy like the lyrics. I, I hope people enjoy the lyrics, but you know, a lot of the times, the first couple of times you listen to a song, unless you have the lyrics right in front of you, you don't fully understand what the person is saying. Like my, my vocals in themselves are not incredibly clear, but in terms of the melodies that I like to produce, and these melodies are mostly like, I love, again, another one, Andrew Bird. I love Andrew Bird, and he is just a huge, huge whistler and a violinist as well. I've been practicing my whistling a lot, so again, going back to scales, no idea what scales are, <laughs> but when I start whistling, it goes to so many places, and I almost always love the melody, but I can all, never remember what I whistled. So another whole problem in itself. <laughs> Last question for you again, Hida. Who would you say is overrated? Who's someone you just don't get? Someone I just don't get, and this is a very controversial thing, Beyonce. I, I don't think that she is in any way like terrible. I, I think she's a brilliant performer. Brilliant performer, amazing vocal range, amazing like capabilities. I've never found myself to be able to get into her music. And I've tried a lot as well. I've tried. She just won like three or four Grammys or maybe it was more. I, I can't yeah, remember. She has but the, just most, the, past she week, has the you know? most Grammys won yeah, by right. like, 20-something. I mean, yeah. I, I don't yeah. really know how much that means anymore, to be honest with you. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, okay. Well, really, like props to her for her entire yeah. career. And she's done wonderfully, but I cannot for the life of me sit down and listen to more than one song and be like, okay, I want to listen to another song by Beyonce. On the plus side, she's not Cardi B, so that's because <laughs> I saw the video for that the other day, and I was it was from the Grammys, and it was she's just dressed. I was like, this is a thing, you know. I was like, yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> but wait a minute, this is now a Grammy winning performance. I was like, yeah, okay, this is uh, this is questionable at best, shall we say? <laughs> if I'm being polite, you know? yeah, we've uh, we've had a, a weird past couple of years, I would say. This is a whole other episode. What is award-winning? How do you define success? Or uh, yeah, <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's a bit deep and meaningful for this time of a Saturday afternoon. You know, where can we find you on social media? I am uh, most active on Instagram. So it's hater underscore Joffrey on Instagram. And I post a lot of covers, like almost every couple of weeks. I try to do every week, every two weeks. Um, but I post a cover of the artists that I really like, and I usually just get addicted to one artist, so I'll post three covers, for example. I post like five Jeff Buckley covers in a row, and like six Hosier covers in a row, something, <laughs> something, something like that. But um, for the most part, I post a lot of things on my Instagram story, which people, like it's a thing. I didn't know that people thought, like it's a thing for me, as in, like it's my thing apparently, which I wasn't aware of. But people are like, yeah, you should go watch the stories, and I'm like, 
Uh, okay, I didn't know people really did that, but um, yeah. that is a thing, right? I can confirm it is a thing. It's a, it's a thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, you're not alone. Uh, right. So that's Instagram is where I'm most active. I also started TikTok. I don't know if I should share this with people, but like we can always edit it, you know. Yeah, I mean, like my TikToks are entertaining, but they're not. Uh, I don't know if they're entertaining. They're entertaining yeah. to you. They're entertaining to me to make. They're all like. Stupid thoughts in my head, but um, yeah, I've been trying to. I think that's the whole point, though, is it not? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And people were. Oh, yeah, you don't don't feel bad about it. It's okay. I I posted a really stupid thing yesterday, and then people were like commenting, We're so confused. Like, is this meant to be a joke? I was like, No, I'm just posting things on the internet. It's literally the internet. This is what it's made for. (laughs) It's just random nonsense, yeah. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm all about. Well, speaking, that's a, that's, that's a good a place to finish this uh, this this great conversation I've had with you, Hader. Uh, talking about random nonsense more for myself, you know. So it's been an absolute blast. Uh, good luck with everything moving forward. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, and I will we'll follow your adventures uh, through Instagram and whatever other mediums come our way. I hope I keep creating things that uh, you will enjoy listening to. Like the names that you've stated so far and what you'd like to listen to or what you like to listen to after listening to what I said about what I listened to, they seem to be going kind of hand in hand. So hopefully you also enjoy my music as well. Peter, all the, all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if Cheers. you ever come to Prague, please let me know. And I shall let you go and uh, get yourself together and get back to the studio and make that rock and roll happen. <laughs> all right. Have a good day. Cheers, Peter. Facebook at Expat Music Pod, and of course you can find us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll find us there. Until the next one, this is Greg saying, cheers. <laughs>